Yeah. All right. So here we go. Um. So I posted this up earlier to see if anybody would uh, be interested in, you know, seeing this live and whatnot. And some people said they wanted to. I was going to do this as a normal podcast, but instead, I think I'm going to do it live. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, go through what happened from when I was a kid, how my arm ended up the way it did, uh, the accident, everything that happened. I've got pictures. Um, yeah, so it's going to be something. Why are you watching me standing in the kitchen? Sorry. For the love of God. But anyway, all right, so we're going to get <laughs> such an idiot. So if you see me looking back and forth, I've got a camera going up here too so that I can put this in a, a good video together for later. So what we're going to do is, um, what's going on, Roberts? So what we're going to do is, this is going to be like a, uh, a new segment on the Double Tap Show. We're going to do like an empowerment thing um, with people who went through rough shit when they were kids and adults and whatever. So we're going to start with me. Yeah. So, all right. So this is me, football, before my accident. So, you know, check this dude out. Uh, yeah, five fingers, full arm, the whole nine, right? So, so when I was 10, let's just give a little backstory. So, um, something's Viv. So, when I was 10, my dad, he used to drive charter bus. So, we would go on, you know, trips or whatever. I would go... You can totally see up my nose, all clear. Thanks, Bosco. Well, Aaron, good job. Can you see, is it any bats in there? Good? All right, cool. All right, yeah, it's a Blair. You mean do Blair Witch stuff? All right, anyway, it's getting way off track. So, all right, so what, what the deal was, um, we used to go on bus trips. My dad used to drive a charter bus. Uh, we'd go all over the place, you know, um, across the country, Florida, New York, um, everywhere. So, uh, you know, we were on a trip. We took, um, I guess it was Middle River Middle School to New York City for the weekend. So while we were in New York, you know, we did all the normal things. They went and seen shows and whatnot. So uh, it was St. Patrick's Day. And, you know, we were, I guess we were probably going down to maybe the Statue of Liberty or something because we were on Water Street up around Battery Park. So, uh, you know, we were going along and, you know, a million times, I know, right, I do need to shave, I know, it's terrible. So, um, a million times I've, you know, rode in the bus and went down in the stairwell to get things and, you know, most of the time we didn't have a seat because, you know, people would pay for seats and the bus would be full, but I'd go and ride and take a blanket, my Walkman, whatever, whatever, all of that stuff and, uh, you know, I'd stay on the floor, whatever. So we're driving, and uh, Dad asked me to get something out of the window. I think it was a map or something. So, like I always do, like everybody does, you know, tour guides stand in the stairwell. There's jump seats in the stairwell now. I mean, everywhere. So uh, go to the stairwell, step down and grab a map or something. We hit a pothole, right? What's going on, Beaver? Um, we hit a pothole. Go figure, a pothole in New York City? No, never happened, right? Not at all. 
So uh, we hit this pothole. I lose my balance. When I lose my balance, I hit the bus door. So bus door. Normally, it wouldn't be a big deal. It's locked, right? No. The airlock on the door was broke. So the airlock is what keeps the door shut. Yeah, it didn't keep the door shut. So when we hit the pothole, out I went. Somehow, um, yeah, I know Walkman shows our age, right? I know with the bass boost and everything, badass. So uh, somehow, I managed to end up, the door is like right here, and the tire is right here. So somehow I managed to fall out and go under the tire. Just my arm though. So when I go out, what's the first thing you're gonna do if something happens, you're gonna slam on the brakes, right? So dad slams on the brakes. As he's slamming on the brakes, my arm goes under the wheel and it just slides over top of me, right over top of my arm. Doesn't run it over, slides, skids, rips everything. Just rips everything off. So I don't have any pictures from back then, but I, if it was now, you know, there'd be people out there videotaping and blah, 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 and it'd be all over the place. I'm sure there's people somewhere that have videos of it because it was New York City and that's what they do. But um, if anybody's seen uh, the original RoboCop movie where um, Clarence Bodiger gets hit by all the acid and stuff and his skin starts to melt, so that's exactly what my arm looked like. Um, I don't know if I blacked out. I don't know what happened, but I only... I don't remember falling out until I stood up. So it was 15 seconds. I remember hitting the door and then standing up and looking down and just seeing everything hanging off my arm, like skin, no fingers, just big skin, just dripping everywhere, blood everywhere. And I didn't know what was going on. Um, it was like I was still in shock, so it didn't kick in yet. And then I, when I looked down, it just all rushed in. And I just lost my shit. Like, you know, my dad's standing there. He's just fucking pale, shocked, doesn't know what's going on. So one of the teachers, I wish I could remember his name, from Middle River, runs over, takes his shirt off, wraps up my arm, tourniquets it off and uh, with a belt, and sits me down on the side of the bus. So, you know, I'm 10 years old. I just got ran over by a fucking bus, dude. Like, slid over top of me and ripped everything off my arm. Um... So apparently one of my fingers was jammed in the tire like it was just disintegrated and apparently one of them was still good. So it was uh it was kind of just there. So um you know I don't know how long it took for the ambulance to get there or anything like that but uh I guess it didn't take too long cuz I don't remember sitting that long before the ambulance got there. Um you know there was a whole school a whole charter bus full of middle school kids losing their shit like crying screaming um so ambulance gets there, they get me on the stretcher and everything, get me in the ambulance. Well, they find the finger, the one good finger that's still there, right? And they put it in a bucket, just a bucket of ice. So we're driving to the hospital <laughs> and we hit another pothole. Go figure, another pothole in New York City. New York City, get your shit straight. Potholes everywhere, right? So the whole bucket, you can't make this shit up. The whole bucket of ice falls on my lap with my finger, my poor finger. Flops right on top of me, right? Laying in my lap in a bucket of ice. Uh, medical dudes are like looking for it, frantic and whatnot. I don't think they ever found it. At least that's what I was told. I mean, maybe my finger is still floating around in New York in an ambulance somewhere. Go, maybe rats carrying it around. I don't know. But um, I figure if they would have found it, maybe they would have reattached it or tried. But I'm glad they didn't because it would have probably been all mangled up and shit. But um, so they take me to the hospital. And, you know, they're trying to get me all fluids and everything. 
And anybody who's ever been in the emergency room knows that they don't really tell you anything. They just start doing. So, you know, they come in. They're just trying to do whatever they need to do to save you. So they start poking, prodding, running fucking lines. And I vividly remember, and I don't know why. Well, I do know why, because it was fucking painful. I vividly remember them sticking a catheter in me while I was awake. Like, it was the crazy... I'd never experienced that. So I screamed. I started flailing. That hurt so bad, I didn't know what was going on. Um, I think I passed out from the pain. Um, because they just stuck a catheter in me. Like, and blew it up while I was awake. I'm already screaming because my arm's all ripped up. And then they stick this thing in my junk. And yeah, no, it's bad. So... You know, we get through that, and uh, I guess they put me to sleep. So I don't know how long I was out for, but at some point during the time, um, I guess my dad or somebody just called and left a message for my mom. was like, Toby was in an accident. You need to get to New York City. That's it. Didn't know anything else. Just your son's in bad shape. He's in an accident. So uh, I guess I was out for a good four hours. Yeah, I know, right? While I was awake. Yeah. Didn't even tell me, hey, we're going to stick something in your... Yeah. No, just... Done. Terrible. What kind of shit is that? You're trying to make people feel better. Dude, Vic, I know, right? Crazy. So, um, I guess it had to be like four or five hours I was out because they were going in and trying to take dead skin and trying to, you know, do whatever they need to do with my arm. So, uh, I wake up, my mom's there. And when I wake up, like... I don't know what's going on. I'm like, where am I? And she's like, you're in the hospital. I'm like, and then it all rushes back. I'm like, holy shit, what happened? And, uh, you know, I look down and I'm like, is my arm still there? And she's like, yeah, your arm's there. And I lift up my arm and it's just this big, just bandage. Like, it just looks like a big nub. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. You couldn't see fingers, anything. And she's like, you know, you lost some fingers. Your arm is pretty tore up. And I'm like, looking down. And that's when I got my whole Ninja Turtle moniker. I'm like, huh, you know. <laughs> Shut up, beeper. So, um, you know, I I found out that you know I had three fingers now. So I'm like, yeah, all right, cool. I'm like a ninja turtle, whatever. So, um, that was the first, I guess, surgery they did to uh, you know, bring me, make me good. So, um, I I fall asleep again and I wake up in a hallway. So we're in this hallway and I'm like. Yeah, I know, right? Of course, only Beeper would say something about, you know, fingers being stuck in somebody's butt, huh? Go figure. Good job, Beeper. Way to go. But, um, <laughs> so, I wake up in this hallway, and I'm like, where are we at? Well, apparently, if anybody knows anything about New York, apparently the closest hospital was Bellevue. Um, Bellevue is a mental hospital. So, the closest hospital they could get me to to save me was a mental hospital. So I wake up in this hallway. I guess we're waiting for a room or whatever. So my mom's like, yeah, we're here and whatever. And um, so they get me in a room. Mind you, these rooms are keypadded. Like, they're... <laughs> Roberts, for real? <laughs> so stupid. So uh, the, <laughs> the rooms are, uh, are keypads because it's a mental hospital. So in order to get in and out of the rooms, you have to be keypadded out. So I remember we're in the room... And mom comes in, and she's all kind of disheveled and just looks, like, pissed and, like, what's going on? Apparently, some crazy woman in the hallway attacked mom. So mom's in a fight in the hallway at the hospital with some crazy bitch, you know. And if anybody knows my mom, you know, she fucking does not play well with others when they start doing stupid shit. 
So apparently mom got in a fight in the hallway with some crazy patient or whatever. So that right there was enough to set her off even more. So she's fighting with the people in the hospital. Um, yeah, I got some free jello from uh, Bill Cosby. <laughs> so um, so we, we get, mom gets into the fight with the hospital people and everything. And is like, you know, we he needs to be out of here. He's got to be out of here. So they transfer me in the middle of the night to NYU. Thinking, yes, NYU is supposed to be a great hospital. This is awesome. This is good. Whatever. Hell no. It's worse over there. So we get there, and they put irrigation tubes in my arm. Just irrigation tubes, which is like, you know, when you, uh, you have a garden, and you put PVC pipe with holes in it, and you just run water in it to water your plants and shit. So, um, you know, they put this irrigation tubes in there, and they're just pouring saline solution down in there to keep my arm from drying out, I guess, or whatever. So I remember I had a roommate, and it was this dude. It was like this kid. And all he did was scream all the time about his knees. He would scream, my knees, my knees, I need medicine, blah, blah, blah. And they would come in, give him medicine, and knock him out. And then I was like the only piece that you got. So I was there for like a day. And, you know, they weren't too soon for Cosby jokes, never too soon for Jello, bud. So um, nobody, uh, they weren't doing anything for me at the hospital. So, you know, it was like, we need to get him out of this hospital because you're not doing anything. So mom gets, you know, uh, appointments with doctors and is talking to doctors and nurses and the heads of the hospital. And they're like, he is too unstable to move. If you try to move him, we're going to hold you liable for some kind of negligence and uh, this and that and child abuse. So what comes next? We have to get a lawyer. A lawyer to get me somewhere where I'm going to get, you know, my arm is rotting away. Like you could smell it. It was dying, right? Yeah, I... I'm getting to that, Roberts. I'm getting to it. I really am. So we um, get this lawyer, and he's like, he comes in, and they have this big thing, and he just flexes his shit because apparently he's a big deal in New York. Um, Anthony Gare, 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 and Connison, apparently they're a big deal. So he comes in, flexes his lawyer muscles or whatever, and they're like, okay, we can get him there. So we get it set up for me to get down to Baltimore. So they're like, well, we need to medevac him. Yeah, so important part of the story. We don't have insurance. You know how much it is to medevac somebody from New York to Baltimore? Yeah, it's like $30,000. Ain't coming out of our pockets. So uh, Grandpops is like, you know, can we do an ambulance? Well, anybody who knows, it's a good four hours from Baltimore to New York. I mean, that's in good traffic. From Baltimore City to New York City, it's at least four hours. So we get an ambulance crew. That costs us like thirteen grand. So the ambulance is like, um, the doctors are telling them, Look, within the next two or three hours, he's going to need medicine. Like, he's going to need pain medicine because they just kept a regiment on me. And the, the, the ambulance crew is like, we can't administer him any medicine. And so my lawyer is like, well, you better figure out how to get him there in two hours. <laughs> Tell me how. These dudes got me from New York City to Baltimore in less than three hours. Uh, that was the craziest ride ever. These dudes were going down one-way streets. I mean flying but this is again why i say first responders are the shit because they took care of me they got me to baltimore in less than three hours you know so we get to baltimore dr mcclinton's waiting on us he's a chest beat, upper chest beat can specialist fucking coolest dude ever um he saved my life you know he saved my arm um we get there they take me into emergency surgery so uh we get there and they're like you know there's so much damage to the arm and they didn't do anything for you in new york you know, I was in New York for three days before they actually got me moved. 
So my arm was basically rotting away. So the first surgery they did when we got there was they went in and they pulled all the dead skin, all the dead everything, you know, and got all that all squared away and wrapped it up so that it, uh, you know, it could heal up and whatnot. So um, they get me in the room or whatever. He comes and talks to me and tells me what they need to do. So the next step is they need to do skin grafts. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever had skin grafts or seen them before. Basically, they take layers of your skin and they use it like, uh, like, like paper, like putty, like to mold onto your, you know, to replace your skin you've lost. So they took um, five strips of skin, four from my right leg, one from my left leg. So basically they take like the first couple layers of skin and just kind of peel it off, you know, um, leaving just bare rawness. So uh, this is the earliest picture that I have of when I was in the hospital. Um, this was when I just got back to Baltimore um, right after the surgery. So I don't know if you can see it real well. But this is me. This is the hospital. Um, so you can see my fingers there, somewhere over here. Um, you know, they were all cut up, fingernails falling off and whatnot. This stuff here on my legs, this is where the skin grafts were. That's where they took all the skin off my legs. This heat lamp was drying it out so that it could heal. Um, you know, they needed the blood to stop and they needed to dry it out and everything. So... This was, this was not too long after this first surgery. So, uh, before they got to that, you know, they, I come out of surgery, and I'm like, how did everything go? And then it's just like, all of a sudden, I feel this pain. My legs feel like somebody is like blowtorch firing them with a blowtorch. Like, I'm in more pain now than I was before. I'm like, what, what's going on? Oh, my God. You know, I wake up, and I just... It just rush over me it felt like somebody was hitting me with like hot pokers and fire and uh you know that was the skin grafts it's where they had the skin grafts at and uh so now i'm got my arm with like a thousand staples like two thousand stitches inside and out uh, my legs all jacked up and um you know this is like more pain than i've ever experienced ever ever in my life so they're like you know well, we have to do these dressing changes every day and whatever, so they start giving me meds. So it gets to the point to where the meds aren't doing anything. Like, you know, they're giving me whatever medicine they give you when you're in the hospital. Like, strong shit that's supposed to knock people down. It's not doing anything. So I become the youngest person in Maryland to ever be put on a morphine pump. Um, if you don't know what a morphine pump does, it basically gives you, like, I think I was getting, like, 0.5 milligrams or something, which doesn't seem like a lot, but for a 10-year-old kid, it's a lot. Every two minutes, you could hit the pump. Uh, to give you an idea of how much medicine went into that, as soon as I hit the button, I couldn't count backwards from five. It would knock me out for like two hours. Um, that was how they were helping me to deal with the pain. Um, I would try to stay awake as long as I could, maybe to eat, watch TV or talk to people for a couple minutes, and then it was doom, out again. So... You know, a couple days goes by, and they're like, well, we have to take the bandages off your legs now so we can look at them, right? So you've got raw skin, just raw, bloody, just ripped up shit with bandages that have been sitting on there for a couple days. When they took those bandages off, it was like it happened all over again. Um, I've never seen my grandfather cry. He cried with me. I was screaming, crying so hard. 
when they pulled that shit off. It was so bad. That was like probably one of the hardest things of the whole thing was when they started pulling that shit off. So, <laughs> yeah, give me a minute. So we get that stuff off. That's when they started putting the zero form on, which is the yellow stuff that you've seen in the picture. Um, that's supposed to help it heal, keep it moist, and, you know, let it heal up or whatever. So, um, once they did that and everything, um, they had to start doing the bandage changes on my arm daily, you know, two to three times a day. So, that's where, when you look at my arm, you see all these little chicken Purdue looking things, these diamond marks. That's the bandages. Like, you can see where the bandage actually was. So the skin was so fresh and so new that when, you know, the bandages were on there, it just kind of soaked in and just molded to it. So when you were pulling them off, when you were pulling them off, the skin would literally come up with the bandages, you know? So you would have to hold down the skin while you're changing the bandages to make sure that it didn't rip off and everything. So thousands of staples, uh, stitches, everything. So I spent, I want to say, a good solid six months to a year in the hospital, um, in the children's wing, um, you know, bandages and changes and doctor's appointments. And uh, we had, like, I had one nurse. I, her name was Holly. I don't know why I remember that, but she was the coolest nurse ever. She took such good care of me, um, always checking on me or whatever. We used to uh, steal the TV that was for the whole floor because, you know, back then we had VCRs. So uh, we would we would sit up all night and try to watch movies and steal the TV, and they'd always come looking for them. They'd be like, uh, Toby, do you have the TV again? Yeah, because my dad would go out and snag the TV and bring it back, and we would just sit up and watch movies, uh, you know, for the little bit of time that I could stay awake before they knocked me out again. So came time that they were going to discharge me. Awesome, cool get to go home, this is going to be great, get out of this hospital, I had to like learn how to walk again, basically, when it was time to leave, because I'd been bedridden for like six months, I mean, they got me up, and they would try to walk me around or whatever, but my legs were ripped apart, so that was ten times worse, every time I would move, it would just split open and rip again, so that was real shitty, so we get home, <clears throat> the doctor set us up with some, you know, the stuff that we needed to change the bandages and all, but then here comes the, uh, we don't have insurance thing again. Nobody would help us get bandages, anything that we needed. Um, there was no GoFundMes. There was nothing like that back then. This is 1990, you know. There was no internet. We barely had phones, let alone anything like that. So um, mom had to get she got one of the news stations to come down and, you know, tell our story. So this company called Orem they were a medical supplier, comes through and is like, look, we'll supply you with whatever you need, um, you know, we'll run a tab, because, you know, we, they knew that we had this case going, where we were going to be, you know, suing somebody to get the money back for all the hospital bills and everything, so Orem comes through and they start, you know, delivering bandages and medicine and everything on a daily, so, um, through this whole time, you know, I'm not in school, getting homeschooled, had this crazy homeschool teacher who came in, she was, like, obsessed with Civil War, so we would watch, like, crazy, bloody reenactments of Civil Wars all the time, she loved that shit, like, it was cool, though, 
you know, we'd sit there and watch these things, and that was most of my schooling when I was in homeschool. So, um, you know, we get through most of the year, you know, bandage changes and stuff like that. Um, show you. Well, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. We can't get to that yet. So, um, get all the bandage changes and whatnot. It's time to get the staples out. Staples and the stitches. I don't know if anybody's ever had staples before, but when I say staples, they're legit staples. Like, they're big-ass industrial size, like you pound in wall staples. Do you know how they take staples out? It's not like stitches. Stitches are cool, dude. You snip the stitch, you pull it out. You might get a snag on a scab or something. They take a staple puller. It's literally a staple puller. It looks like a scalpel with an end on it. And they dig under and they pop these things out. Oh, my God. Now, these are staples that are like this big, okay, in your skin. And I have a 1,000 of these, right? So they think that they're going to do this in the doctor's office because they're like, it's not that bad. We're going to give you some pain meds before. It's not going to be that bad. Yeah, somebody lied. So we go to the doctors, and it's it's this nurse... I felt bad for her, but I didn't because if she couldn't do it, she shouldn't have been trying. She was so scared. Like, she was shaking the whole time. We got through three staples. Three out of, like, a thousand. She's shaking, trying to pull it up. My skin's coming up with it. And so, <laughs> here comes the pit bull that is my mother again. Get the fuck away from him. By this time, I've kicked a hole in the wall. She's like, you're going to get the fuck away from my son. And we're going to go to the hospital, and they're going to do this the right way. And, of course, they weren't going to argue with her because she's like five foot nothing of just pure, yeah, rip your throat out. So, you know, we uh, end up, the doctor's like, okay, so we're going to take you in, and we're going to put you under for this to get your staples out and your stitches and stuff. Oh, that's good. Thanks. That makes real good sense. So um, get the staples out and everything, and... Uh, it's an in-out patient. You know, it was awesome, though, because I'm like, oh, this is going to be so great. No more staples, but I still. So this is a year. This is a year, the pictures that I'm getting ready to show you. This was a year after it happened. And this is how I'm still, what I'm still doing, healing. And this is where we get into the, the good pictures. So I'm going to show you what was the aftermath of the skin grafts. Well, my arm was a year later after its healing and what we had. So, this here, this is my arm at a, a little, this was April to 1991. So, this was exactly a year after my accident. Can you see that over there? Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, so, I'm just trying to make sure you can see. So, this is uh, what it looked like a year after the accident. Skin still real soft, still comes apart real easy. Um, we had to soak it every day to help the scabs and stuff fall off. So it would help the skin stay together, it would help things fall off and everything. Um, so this is what, you know, we would do every day. So skin grafts. This is the aftermath of the skin grafts. This is where they take the sheets off of my legs to put on my arm. Four on one side, one on the other. This is uh this is me a year later. You know. So uh, those are my legs where they tore them up to do these surgeries, right? 
There's some more good pictures. You know, and this is a year later. This is the healing. This is what it looks like when you go full Frankenstein on somebody's arm. Let's see. So, you know, just to get an idea, this is what was on my arm all the time. It was a molded cast on the bottom that we had to take off, and the molding inside here kept my hand from closing up. Like, it fitted in, and it kept my hand open so it didn't, like, you know, close up when it was uh, healing and whatnot. Um, let's see. So, yeah, here you go. This is, so, this is really graphic. It's really bloody. Um, this is after it's healed, but it's not. This is still a year later. And this is what we would do every day with the bandages. This is after the staples are out, after the stitches are out, but it still bled. Every time we took the bandages off, you can still see the scabs. And this is a year later, afterwards, when it's still trying to heal, where they put everything together. You know? So, uh, yeah, this is me, 11 years old, ripped up. So, uh, let's see. So, that was the first year, right? So, um, so, we got the first year down. Didn't know football was like my life before then. So, football was my absolute life. Um, we lived in Aberdeen. I went to Bakersfield Elementary, but I still played for Perryville my entire football time. Um, Perryville was my home. That was my family. Those dudes, everybody on the team, Biddy, Joe Archer, everybody, they were so good. They sent me footballs, signed, everything. So, um, you know, we go to the doctor, and I'm like, I need to play football. Like, we need to go back out. So a year and a half later, they clear me to go play football with this mess. Um, I had big arm guard on and everything. So it was cool. Things are starting to get back to normal. I get to go back to school. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to go back to school, see my friends. No. Kids are dicks. People are dicks. The world is just full of assholes at this point. Old people, old people are the worst people ever when it comes to things like this because they have no filter. Oh my God, what happened to your arm? Oh my God, what's wrong with him? Like, I can't hear you, you know? Oh my God, what's wrong with him? Again, mom, do you want to see what's wrong? Do you want me to fuck you up on site? Mom was pretty vicious when it came to old people. She would go at anybody's throat. If you even looked at me wrong with my arm, she was ready to knock you the fuck out, which was cool. But it did, dealing with people, um, just random strangers, was rough. Kids at school, even rougher. Like, there was kids that were cool. Everybody was good. But then you had just the rude assholes, you know. Um, one dude in particular, I'm not going to say his name because he's passed away or whatever. Dude spit on me, was like, oh, look at you and your no arm. Ah. Yeah, whatever. He was a piece of shit, but whatever. Um, you know, school was kind of rough for a little bit, but then it started to get okay. It got to the point that I wouldn't show my arm. Like, I would keep my arm under the table when I ate. I started eating with my left hand. Um, if I was out somewhere, I would, you know, I'd keep my, I always kept my arm up like this and kept it away from everything. So it was like, you know, I had to learn to deal with people staring, talking shit. Um, you know, I remember being at physical therapy. And uh, these ladies sitting there, and the lady was talking about, oh, I broke my wrist, this is so hard. 
she was talking about, I've got a garden with my left hand, and it's so hard to brush my teeth with my left hand. And I'm just sitting there listening, and it's weird the things that you remember. And I'm just listening, and I'm like thinking, are you serious? Like, it's hard to brush your teeth with your left hand? I've learned how to do everything with my left and keep my arm hidden from everybody, you know? But, um, so we get through the first year. Everything's cool. Things are starting to get back to normal. I'm like, yeah, everything's healing. It's cool. Playing football again. Everything's great. So we go for a checkup. Get to the checkup. So let me find the picture real quick so I can show you what leads up to the next, which would be... All right. So this is pretty much healed, right? Everything's healed. Not bleeding anymore except for the, you know, the little nubs here, right? So if you look real close, you can see the white parts on the end. Well, even after fingers are ripped off and they're gone, they still grow. Right. So things still grow because you're growing, right? And your bones grow. So the skin doesn't grow, though. There's nothing to grow with it. Because all I have is the skin that's come from my skin grafts. So my fingers are growing through my skin, which is becoming ridiculously painful. And, you know, you could just see the bones popping through. So the doctor's like, well, we're going to have to figure this out. So he's like, we're going to try something, a procedure. It's called a flap. So I'm like, okay, what is a flap? What are we doing with this? A flap is where they take and they cut you open and they cut a flap. And they fold it up, and they put whatever they need to try to grow inside this flap. So the flap, basically, they put it in a high flow area. The highest blood flow area in your body is in your groin. So what they do is they take and they cut me open from my butt all the way to my crotch. And they make this big flap, and they take this part of my hand, and they stick it inside of my body. And they flip it back over, and then they sew it up. So they literally sewed my hand inside my stomach. Now, I'm going to show you the pictures of it, and this is, like, really personal because where it is, but I feel like it needs to be shown. So, this is, she's seen them. This is the flap. And you see right here? This is, like, right in my area, okay? My hand is literally sewed inside of my body. Like, they cut me all the way across to this flap. So my arm is literally sewed in there. This was for six months, okay? So this is what it was like. So they've got this sewed in there for six months. And you see this is this nice up here? This is just nice ace bandage, right? So ace bandages, cool. We're gonna go ahead and ace bandage your arm down so that you don't try to rip it out of your side, right? Ooh, that's a really, really crazy one. So. Yeah, one more picture. And uh, this one's really, really graphic. So if you really have a bad stomach, don't look at this one. So this is what it looks like, you know, when it's all stitched up in there. This is the flap. This is what I had to deal with for six months, right? So they have the wonderful idea that we're going to just ace bandage his arm down. That doesn't work. I wake up in the middle of the nights and I try to rip my arm out. I want to move. You know, you're asleep, you don't think about it. So I'm like flailing my arm in my sleep. So they decide that they're going to have to do something a little more extreme. So they tape my arm to my body. I'm not talking like, 
you know, mask. I'm talking like big ass duct tape size medical tape. Think about a Band-Aid. If you leave it on for too long, right? And it starts to get stuck really good. So take that, magnify it to the size of duct tape, wrap it across your whole body, arms, chest, back. And I'm a hairy dude, even as a kid. You know, I've got some hair. Well, the hair didn't make any difference because it kind of grew into my skin. So when they went to take it off, it took like two layers of skin with it. So now, not only am I sewed up with a hand in my stuff, but now I have all these huge zebra stripes where it just ripped off my skin. That was like so painful. It was like, it felt like, you know when you get really bad sunburn and it blisters and then like the skin just kind of cracks and peels and you can feel it in your face and your teeth? That's what it felt like when they were pulling it off. You could feel it everywhere. I mean, it was just like, it's like, can you guys stop doing things to just, you know, just cause me pain again? Like, as soon as I think that I'm over it, it's something new. So, you know, we go through the whole six months. I spend six months with this thing in my stomach. So they're like, all right, well, let's see what happens when we pull it out. So we're going to grow new skin. They're like, it's, it worked. We grew new skin. The new skin is awesome. Yeah, no, it really wasn't. So basically, the skin that it grew died. So here's another really, really graphic uh, bad picture. But So this is what happened when it came out. That there is the skin that was supposed to have grown. Okay, It died. It just completely died because my body rejected it. Back here, though, this all took good. So what they had to do was they had to cut that skin off, right? which left us with what we have now. So you see the, the stitches and the little seam there? So what their idea was, and you can still see, is this seam right here. What the thing was, was every year, we're gonna go in there and cut that up, we're gonna open it back up, and we're gonna grind his bones down. Because we can't stop him from growing, we obviously can't keep the skin up. We added a lot of skin there, so it's protecting it more, but now we need to go in there and grind it up every year. So every year, I got to go back in the hospital, have them cut this open, go in, grind the bones down, close it back up. So, you know, I'd miss a couple weeks of school here or there. It was kind of uh, an outpatient, if you want to say that. So, you know, they did that every year for until probably I was like 16 or 17. Um, so that took a, a good bit of... Yeah, craziness there. Um, I forgot where I was going right now. So, we got the good old stomach jumpies. Um, so, basically, we get all these surgeries. Everything keeps going. So, during this time, we have meetings with lawyers. Um, they treat us like we're royalty. The lawyers send cars for us. They pay for our trains. Put us up at the World Trade Center. Um, before the, the first bombing, not the second one, but before the first one, we were actually there. We stayed in the hotel there. And, uh, you know, we're going to all these depositions, and they're telling us, you know, don't worry. Everything's going to be great. We're going to take care of you. Um, we're going to get everything good, right? Well, come to find out, there's laws that where apparently, you know, a, uh, a father can't sue his son. Okay, well, we're not trying to sue my dad. We're trying to sue the bus company because they're the ones that fucked up. 
had the door broke and didn't do anything about it, right? So we go through all these different depositions and I meet with all these people and I'm getting older, my arm's healing, um, you know, I look like a mini man right now. So basically they're telling us, um, yeah, we're going to lose this case. We're going to lose this case. I have a half a million dollars or more in medical bills right now. So, you know, we're pushing like upwards of like $600,000 in medical bills plus not even including what we owe Orem, not including what we know, oh, tons of people, right? So they're like, we're probably looking at we're going to end up losing this case. We need to settle out of court. We need to settle out of court. Okay. So, you know, like, we'll get all the medical bills taken care of. Um, you know, you won't owe anybody anything. And you'll walk away with a small, sizable amount of money. Okay, that's cool, whatever. So, you know, we don't really have a choice. We've got to pay these people off. So we get all that taken care of. Um, once the case is over, yeah, it was kind of like, who are you? Lawyers wouldn't return calls, um, trying to get help with things. Yeah, but I guess that's just a lawyer thing or whatever. But, you know, it was pretty rough for the longest time with all the, you know, the medical bills and, changing bandages and all the hospital stays and everything but you know it it made me you know more of the person that I am now um, I have a super ridiculous tolerance for pain um, it's what I, I look back and I'm like you know things could have changed so much could have turned out so much worse I was 10 years old on some of the highest painkillers you can get anywhere hey Matt I was you know sent home with medicine that people now are like let's not even get on that subject I guess but I was a kid with painkillers opioids everything things could have turned out a lot worse but here I am you know I'm almost 40 I have a, a beautiful family a beautiful wife I'm alive I'm well my arm is you know, it's healed. Like, you know, this is this is it. There's nothing. I don't even notice it anymore. But I've been like this for more than my life than I was without it. Um, you know, there was so much adversity and so much shit that we had to go through that, you know, it could have turned out really bad. But it really made me the person that I am today and you know it it makes you look around and be like you know life is super short in the blink of an eye it's done I was on a school trip going to see the Statue of Liberty and I ended up having my entire life just turned upside down in a matter of seconds like a literally a matter of like 20 seconds you know and just it's crazy you know I, I tell myself that, you know, I'm indestructible, <laughs> you know, I, I really feel like God has me here for a reason, um, some of the things that I've had after my accident, um, we were in a motorcycle accident, well, we weren't on the motorcycle, <laughs> we were hit in a motorcycle, uh, we were sitting, turning, and somebody rear-ended us in a motorcycle, the motorcycle went over our car, um, the woman on the back of the motorcycle, flew over my car, uh, 
broke both her hands, her pelvis, cut off her pinky. Um, her husband flew through our back window, hit my mom in the head with her helmet, with his helmet. Um, ended up with a lot of back problems from that, you know. But I'm still here. I'm still walking. Everything's good, right? So then, uh, you know, I know Richie was waiting for this. Oh, but I, I, have, I have to get there for Adams, though. The shark bite story. So, you know, people always ask, what's wrong with, what happened to your arm? What happened to your arm? So when I started at Snyder County Prison, uh, the inmates were all asking, before they got to talk to me, they're like, what happened to Tap's arm? What happened to Tap's arm? Why is his arm like that? So they started uh, telling him that I got attacked by a shark. <laughs> they were like, yo, Tap fought off a shark. Like, it tried to eat his arm, and he fucked that shark up. So Adams, <laughs> Chris Adams, was like, bro, I just thought it was a cooler story to tell him that you fought off a shark, and it ate your arm, and <laughs> say you got hit by a bus. <laughs> so, uh, you know, for the longest time, and there's still people there that think, inmates that think that I got attacked by a shark so you know the shark bite <laughs> shark bite ooh, shark ah. bi- I was just gonna say that <laughs> so that was you know that was the shark bite thing of things but um so uh one night you know we used to hang out in the pilot park a lot that was like our spot when we were like 18 19 right yeah punch the shark in the nose right yeah no I bit that motherfucker's eye out no but anyway so we're in the, the parking lot chilling one night and me and uh go Richie Garcia with his lunchbox hands, we're kind of messing around, slap boxing or whatever. Well, I zigged when I should have zagged, and Richie tagged me like a champ in my nose, right? So my nose just gushes, blows up. Yeah, Blaine Brown warned me, I know. He said, don't mess with those big old things that are on his hands. So Richie catches me in the face, blows my nose apart, right? So I'm in the parking lot, bleeding everywhere, and... I didn't think anything of it. I just grabbed my nose and I'm like, ah, and I snap it back into place. So I'm like, okay, cool. My nose is good. I didn't even get the black eyes. So I'm figuring everything's good. Everything's good. Richie's like, oh, hell, you all right? You good? You good? Whatever. And, uh, you know, we were cool. My foot was bloody. There was a blood stain in the parking lot forever, which was pretty cool to roll up and be like, that's mine. But um, so, you know, a couple weeks go by and I start getting this thing in my nose and it's like a big bubble and uh my friend James at the time I was at his house all the time well his mom is like I can't breathe at this point I'm like it's so weird and she looks up my nose and she's like something's falling out of your head I'm like what she's like there's something falling out of your head you're going to the hospital I'm like I don't like hospitals you know I don't do doctors I don't do hospitals so we go to the emergency room and uh <laughs> doctor comes in and he looks and he's like oh my he's like we have an issue so uh he leaves, and we're just like, what's going on? So, and this is going to sound so, 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 so terrible. But um, all these little Asian dudes come rushing in the room, right? And they're all, like, in lab coats, and they're running in, and I don't understand anything they're saying, and they're sticking the things up my nose, and they're looking, and they're like, ah, and I'm like, what is going on? And the one is like, we've only read about these. We've never seen one in person. And I'm like, what the fuck is in my nose? And they're like, you have a nasal hematoma. And I'm like, what is that? And they're like, you have a blood clot, like, in your head. I'm like, okay, can we stick a needle in it or something? And they're like, yeah, no. So they're like, we need to do, like, x-rays and CAT scans and whatever. Well, apparently, because I'm stupid and don't go to the doctors and I set my own nose back, apparently that hematoma got in there and uh, got me a, an infection in my sinuses and in through my head. So here comes uh, brush with death number three. 
So they're like, we have to do emergency surgery. We need to go in, scrape out your sinuses, get all this infection out. So they go in, cut my nose open, whatever, and it's still jacked up, right? Yeah, science exp- I am a science experiment. You're right. I'm, I am like fucking Frankenstein. It's awesome. So they, uh, they go in and they do all the surgery and whatever, and they put these fucking banana splints. They're like this big. Like, I shit you not, I swear. They were this big, right? So they, they go in there and they scrape everything out. They got me on these crazy heavy antibiotics and whatnot. And uh, so I go back to the doctor when they're ready to take him out. And he's like, all right, everything looks good or whatever. So when this dude pulled these things out, like they were stitched in. So they cut the stitch and they reached in and they pull it out. I could feel it like coming out of my head. Like it felt like it was in my brain. It was the weirdest thing ever. And it like took everything out of it. I swear to God, that was the best breath of air I've ever taken. Like, I, I could breathe so good for like 10 minutes. It was so good. But it was because that fucking thing was like up here. And it was huge and it looked like a banana. So, you know, that was my wonderful brush with death number three. And uh, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. Um, God loves me and has me here for a reason, right? I do have nine lives. But I think I'm on like five. So we've got about four more to go. So uh, we have that happen. So then uh, a couple years later, I'm working in a warehouse. And I get this huge like zip boil thing on my leg. And I'm like, what is that? Like, I, I don't know. I didn't know what it was. So, you know, again, I don't do doctors. I don't do hospitals. So I get one on the side of my leg. And then I get one on the back of my leg. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, and I'm working at Ikea at the time, right? And, uh, you know, we get all these crazy trailers and there's like scorpions in them and all kinds of crazy shit. And I'm like, maybe I got bit by something. So I'm like, whatever. So I'm here with like a, and Melissa will vouch for this. I'm here in the living room with a kitchen knife, like a steak knife, trying to like dig this thing out. And I'm like, I just need to pop it or something. So I tried to pop it. So we really tried to pop it. Melissa tried. She stabbed the hell out of me. Like she went full on like her. Yeah. (laughs) it was not and it it, you know it it didn't work so i'm like dealing with it well i get to the point where i can't stand up anymore i'm at work one day and i'm sweating i feel like i'm gonna die so i'm like you know i can't even sit up so i'm like i need to go to the hospital right so i go to the hospital and tell them what's going on or whatever so my white blood count was like apparently like triple what it's supposed to be like some odd crazy number well apparently i had MRSA, right so, look, really? That river monster oh, could have killed otter, me. the otter, the Okay, the river monster could have <laughs> killed me, but I'm not talking about that right now. You but always find a way. We have to visit You that. always find a way with the river monster. But anyway, <laughs> so I go to the hospital, and they're like, you know, um, you have MRSA, like a severe oh, case of MRSA. So I'm on, like, the like my last limb. Like, this is like, if I would have let this go any longer, my I was septic. So... They're like, you know, if you would have let this go a couple more weeks, you probably would have been full-on toxic infection. You probably would have died. Ah, great. Awesome. Here we go again. So um, they go in and they lance these things, right? So, but first they're like, we have to call such and such because she loves this shit. So they had to call another nurse at her house and have her come in to watch this so they could go in and like Dr. Pimple Popper this thing and like dig like two fingers deep in this shit and of just splatters. So I was in quarantine for two weeks. They had me in the uh, somewhere in like a children's wing where nobody was 
on quarantine for two weeks while they burned out all of my veins with high antibiotics that just were terrible. But again, <laughs> I'm alive and I'm good. Uh, no issues there. Um, so yeah, that was, that was another interesting time. Oh, before I had my accident, uh, if you can still see the scars here, I had 64 stitches down the side of my face. Uh, me and my mom were going to the pool and I was asleep in the front seat and somebody stopped in front of her and she ran to them and I went through the car windshield. Yeah, 64 stitches. I was in second grade, third grade. I don't know, something like that. But yeah, again, I'm still here, right? Awesome, awesome. So I guess what I'm just trying to say is, you know, anything. Oh, now you start watching. You're the reason that I came on here and now, oh, bidding to, are you guys at work watching me? Are you, are you guys are at work watching me, aren't you? Adams, I told him about Shark Bite and how it was like the coolest, it was a lot cooler story to tell him that I, uh, you know, was attacked by a shark than it was to tell him that I got hit by a bus and that some of the inmates still believe it, which is really cool. But, um, you know, uh, so just, you know, you just got to take everything as it comes. It may suck at the time, but there's always a bigger picture coming, you know. And you are watching it at work. <laughs> That's so great. Snyder County Prison in the house. It's fucking awesome. But, um, yeah, you just have to take everything with a grain of sand. It, it's just, you know, you hear people. I know some people have to work. You're in early, though. Oh, overtime? Very nice. No, yeah. So, it's just, some people take life for granted. Uh, I'm not one of those people. This is why I always try to have a positive outlook. Because so much negativity in the world and so much shit has happened. Jesus Christ, Catherine too? All right. Snyder County all over the place. But, um, you know, I just want everybody to, you know, take a look around and see that there's always somebody who has something worse than you. And, you know, it could be a lot worse. And I just felt like I wanted people to see we're going to start doing like a series of empowerment. Um, I've got a few people lined up that are going to come up and uh, we're going to do a show with. Um, about people who have gone through crazy, crazy. It, it It is too late to sue Richie, though. But you know what? No, no, I can't sue Richie now. That's my homie. I should have thought about that back then. I probably could have got a lot of money from his punk ass, but no, no, it wouldn't have worked out that way either. But, um, you know, I'm just, I just wanted to share all of this stuff with everybody. Um, I know people always ask, and you know, you knew that I got hit by a bus, but you didn't really know what happened. So I just figured... You know, why not just throw it out here for everybody and uh, let it go. So, um, yeah, so that's pretty much about. All right. So real quick. So we're out and uh, his lawyer couldn't even get him his money. on. Yeah, yeah, I know. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. My lawyer was a punk. No, he was good, though. He, he we we I lived like a king for like a year and I bought a lot of people, a lot of things, took care of a lot of family members that didn't deserve it and a lot of people who didn't deserve it but you know it is what it is you know spread the wealth and plus I was a kid who had no idea about money nothing and then somebody just drops a half a million dollars in your pocket at 18 hey do what you do right hey can you can you help me all right bidding be safe buddy uh you know can you can you help me out with this can you help me out with that yeah sure no problem uh you want to invest in this sure no problem we didn't know anything about money but you know what? I learned now. I still suck with money, though. I'm still really bad with money, but it is what it is. So anyway, back to the Susky. So we're, uh, we're out on boat with Jamie and Teresa. 
best friends up in PA, and uh, we're out there, and uh, we're going tubing and whatever, well, the ladder was broke on the boat, you know, I'm fat, so it's kind of hard for me to get my fat ass back in the boat, but I jumped out and was swimming or whatever, so um, we, uh, we're out there, and uh, I'm trying to get back in the boat, and uh, decided